Welcome to Shame Space, and it is a shameful, packed, shamefully packed. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm starting it well. I'm, we're going to tell you all sorts of shit today. We're going to, we've, we've, we've looked into stuff. We've learned some stuff, and we're going to tell you all about it. So I'm going to crack on with some stuff about the 18th century, because that's when Harlots was set. Hey. Apparently... Apparently, they um they used the term the 18th century sometimes just to mean um until like the French Revolution. So like the king until that point. Some historians use that term. I mean, it's sort of like a shorter amount of time. But ah. obviously it is, it is the whole century we're talking about. So I'd like uh, to correct myself. I think I said the French Revolution was in 1792. It was in 1789 according ah. to wikipedia okay <laughs> so and we were talking about and you're going to talk about this as well but we were talking about how you know music whether this was baroque or romantic or classical whatever i know pick me but <laughs> I, I will i'm leading up to it i was flawlessly segueing in giving you this because it includes works characteristic of the late baroque period so jen would you Hi. like to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I think you'd like to know this. Very, very exciting piece of information. We should know, being musicians, <laughs> that the 18th century is the transition between Baroque to classical. So mm. Mozart's dates are 56 to 91. 17. Yes. 1756 to 1791. So you've got Mozart, Haydn, and then later Beethoven. Um, so basically the beginning of the 18th century, we were still in Baroque. And at the end of the 18th century, we were into classical. So mid, when Harlots was happening, everyone was getting a bit looser. You know, the music was getting a little bit more kind of jolly and fast and, and you know, Don Giovanni. Need I say more? Probably. Lovely. Succinct as always. Oh, yeah. um, so um, what I was talking about with the whole, um, the short 18th century that historians sort of define it sometimes as, is sometimes defined as between 1715 and 1789, which is the period of time between the death of Louis XIV of France and the start of the French Revolution. So that's sort of that period that you were just talking about, about it all being in flux almost. So I thought I would mention a couple of famous people basically who were around in the 18th century Do it. because we were well I say we I was very wrong and of course Shakespeare was a lot earlier even uh, I knew that because yeah. I watched Shakespeare and <laughs> yeah so there's quite a lot of politicians who are around in and obviously it's 100 years there's a lot of people who are around in that time quite a lot of American politicians because obviously that was you know the formation of the United States as we sort of know it now. Amateurs. Um, so, exactly. So John Adams, ah. who was around. Um, Aaron Burr. Oh, yes. Sir Burr. Sorry. Really? What? It's Houston Hamilton, isn't it? Alan Burr, sir. Da, 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 da. I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Um, Thomas you Jefferson. Haven't, you haven't seen Hamilton? No, not yet. Ah, it's good. I mean, I, I've where... heard that. <laughs> 
first half's better just walk out in the interval okay, fair enough um and then we get to people like napoleon bonaparte of course because of the french revolution and also therefore horatio nelson yes and within the, the hundred years we had three three king georges Ooh. Yeah, George the first, George the second, and George the third. George's. Oh, yes, actually, I do know just to sweep in. Yeah. Uh, Blackout of the third. Is at the end of he's his... George. He's George the fourth. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's the next one. He's the next but, one. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because George the third he ruled for a very long time. Yes. Because he but he went mad. Mm. Um, yeah. Um George Washington also around at this time. Big for Georges. Big, Big for, for Georges. Georges. Everyone loved the word, the name George. Um, nice into, name. it is a good name, into sort of um, media sort of stuff. Um, you had David Garrick, who was an actor, who's the name, named after, Garrick well, Theatre. The Garrick Theatre is named after him, yes. Um, Volkov, the Russian actor, he was around then. I will leave musicians to you. Although I would like to point out that this was also the century when Stradivarius was around. Ah, that makes sense. So, I mean, I have not got any more to add on that. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this isn't a history lecture, Claire. I was going to start talking oh. about Cheapside. <laughs> oh, well, I just wanted to, because I found this interesting. Okay. I, I wanted to mention a couple of like arty people. Okay. So Will, William Blake, this is when ah, he was around. Cool time then. Yeah, well, it spans over 100 years. Gainsborough um, was around then as well. He was active in the 18th century. And then there's a couple more that I saw earlier, and I'm just trying to find. Reynolds, Hogarth, which will lead me on to gin, which I will talk about later. How much later? This isn't usually very long. After you. After you. Well, after I talk about... Jane Austen was earlier. She was around. No, she was in the 18th century. Oh, what? I think <laughs> it was earlier. Oh, the I think end. it's because she's at the end of, of the 18th yeah, century. Yeah, Prime Prejudice is 1813. I think. Robert Burns, ah. 18th century. A little Scottish one for you there. A, a, another raunchy character. He would have done very well in Harlots. He was filth itself. Oh, yeah. Was Alexander, Alexander Pope was around. Mary Wollstonecraft. And then some philosophers, and I can't be asked to go into those because it just makes me think of the uh, philosophy song. Excellent. So yes, Austin times. And that leads me on to Cheapside because I mentioned in Pride and Prejudice when they said uh, her uncle has a, he's in trade and he owns a shop in Cheapside. Cheapside. So Cheapside now, you know how I was saying it's now really rich and it's near Bloomsbury? That's total wank. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's basically city. So it's banking world. All right. So now it'll just be full of offices, basically. Yeah. Historic and modern financial centre of London. It forms part of the A40, if people would like to know that. Wow. So... Yes, exactly. Um, also, the etymology, which is good for you to, good for everyone to know. So, Cheapside is a common English street name meaning marketplace from Old oh. English. Siepan to buy or keepan or kaufen, which is German. Dutch is kopen, Danish is kuba. Anyway, it could go on. So, <laughs> there was originally no connection to the modern meaning of cheap, is in low price. And a shortening of good keep, goodbye. 
So that, that kind is of very thing. interesting. There you go. So it was a market. So meat was brought to Cheapside from Smithfield Market. So yes, it wasn't a very fancy place. And it's used, it, it was used throughout history. So William Shakespeare uses it at a very different time. <laughs> As very a different. Setting for several bawdy scenes in Henry the Fourth, Part One. A reference to it is also made in Henry the Sixth, Part Two. Yes, well done, Jenny. I've read that correctly. <laughs> was so it I, in Roman numerals? It was in Roman numerals. So I was like, okay, the one before the five, the one after the five. Uh, Henry the Sixth, Part Two, in a speech by the rebel Jack Cade, all the realm shall be in common, and in Cheapside shall my palfrey go to grass. Don't know what that means. I'm thinking death. So, yes, so there you go. Wordsworth wrote a poem, The Reverie of Poor Susan. So, Sounds I don't like an think, excellent I poem. mean, basically, I know, <laughs> poor Susan. Didn't go very well for her. So, basically, I think Cheapside is a bit of a dive. Market, market town, marketplace. Sounds great. I mean, it's where St. Paul's is. So it's a nice bit of town now. Now. It's lovely. Now. Yeah. So I did mention about Mother's Ruin and, and Gin, and I thought this was later, but it's I said not. First it's, World War. Yeah. No. Ah, it's 18th century. Damn it. Because I want it's, to be right. <laughs> it's William Hogarth. So it, oh. basically it was, it was a huge problem because it was so cheap. And it was started that... out, gin started out as a medicine and it was thought it could be a cure for gout and indigestion. And then in the 1730s, notices could be seen all over London saying basically drunk for one penny, dead drunk for toppings, straw for nothing. So it was really, really, really cheap. So you could get straw for, for free, ah, but then you could get hammered and you could like get paralytic for toppings. Brilliant. I know, but it was it was not. I mean, it will not have been good stuff because it was really, really strong. It would have been like turpentine, I, probably. It, it was not good for you. Um, people would literally drink themselves to death. Men were rendered impotent and women sterile by gin at the time, which is a reason why the birth rate in London at the time was exceeded by the death rate. Holy shit. Well, yeah. well, ladies, to conceive, you do not put a gin bottle up there. That is not <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> don't think that's how they were going sterile. I think right. it was because of drinking too much. Okay. Because they found, I'm not quite sure what when in the 1700s this was, they found that the average Londoner drank 14 gallons of gin each year. I mean, is it different now? <laughs> 14 gallons each. That's a lot. I mean, we drink a, a lot, lot of gin, but I don't... I really hope we don't... Yeah, so... The reason that it kind of became Mother's Ruin is because a lot of the gin was drunk by women. And um, consequently, as this article, very interesting article actually says, um, children were neglected, daughters were sold into prostitution, and wet nurses gave gin to babies to quieten them. Oh, no. Yeah. That's people, would do, people would do anything to get gin. And this little story says, a cattle drover sold his 11-year-old daughter to a trader for a gallon of gin. And a coachman, this is funny, to be fair, <laughs> pawned, pawned his wife for a quart bottle. So what? at least he had the idea that he might be able to buy her back. Pawned <laughs> his wife? It just as makes in, me... As yeah. in P-A-W-N. Took her to the shop and left her on the yeah. counter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. As if so she was property. I mean, there's she was very, property. yeah. There's a very, very famous 
paintings by William Hogarth yeah. called Gin Lane. I've seen them. Yeah, yeah they're brilliant. very famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because the government were basically like, "What the fuck? Are, what? What can we do here?" They they put they put like taxes on it. They tried to to make like it just put the price up. Well, they did, but they also tried to make it so that you couldn't, you had to have a license to be able to make it because basically everyone was making it, hence bathtub gin, um, and it wasn't regulated and it was probably very unsanitary and probably very strong and probably quite dangerous as well to make. You wouldn't let me make gin. I want to make it in the basement. <laughs> I I don't think you're allowed. I think that license thing might still happen. Oh, yeah, you needed a license for it still. But I yeah. think it's not hard to get one. Oh, you could try. You could try. Right. Burn down the house, so it's not a good idea. That's really so, interesting, Claire. Yeah. And I'm sure our listeners will be also very interested. Go go and look into it because I mean, you might not find it fascinating. I find it fascinating. And one other thing that I find fascinating no, I that I mentioned. Oh, I just meant in general, the listeners, the lovely listeners. I um, was about the theory about Jack the Ripper mm. and who he was. So the uh, one, the one that I mentioned, it is one of the the theories, one of many theories, um, <laughs> that he was Prince Albert Victor, who was the son of King Edward the Seventh and grandson of Queen Victoria. Ah, so he neat. was, uh, he died of influenza at twenty eight, but um, a, a physician in nineteen seventy actually it was as late as that. Um, uh, published an article implying that he had committed the murders during fits of insanity caused by an advanced case of syphilis. <laughs> wow. I mean, that does sound a bit bollocks. It does sound a bit bollocks. It does. Um, but I think also that was that was significantly later than than this. That was more 1800s. OK. In fact, it was it was late 1800s. It's just because we were chatting about London and Jack the Ripper obviously London. came into mind. London. And Hollis, um, which is what this is about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's, you know, some some lovely listening for your Sunday. We hope you've l- learned something. We certainly have. Exactly. I've learned that Shakespeare was not in the 1700s. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> we hope you have really great weekends and you tune in tomorrow for a brand new episode of Shame Space in which we are doing why did I say Shame Space I don't Mm. know I don't know either please join us tomorrow for a brand new episode of Random Television in which we are doing Claire Kim's Convenience ah yes a Canadian show which we found on Netflix so please watch along and tune in to us. We'll be out tomorrow. Why don't you send us an email at randomtellyvision at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at randomtellypod. You can follow us on Instagram at randomtellyvision and Facebook at randomtellyvision. And you can rate, review and subscribe and give us five stars. Have I missed anything? No, <laughs> I think you deserve five stars just for that. <laughs> Right, we're going to go and enjoy the rest of our day. I think I'll be eating quite a lot of chocolate. I will too. And crisps, I think. It's a Sunday afternoon. After all, what else are we going to do? Right, turn the taps on. Let's make some gin. See you later, guys. Bye.